What's up, fandom? My name is Josh, and today I am joined by two very special ghosts. Ghosts. You're ghosts. Congratulations. You're not actually here. This is how I find here. out I'm dead. I've been dead this whole time. <laughs> like, congrats. I'm glad you guys are ghosts. Uh, no, we've got uh, two very special guests. Or ghosts. I, I don't judge. Um, we've got the uh, the head writers and co-executive producers of Wizards Tales of Arcadia. Um, we have Aaron Walkie. Yep, that's me. And Chad Quinn. Quant. I said I, I said it right the first time in prep, Dude, and then I was like, then I was like, how about Quint? Can we change <laughs> your name? Is that okay? Uh, uh, Quint, Quint, Chad Quint is my like knockoff name for kind of more uh, like twee books. That's my Chad <laughs> Quint book. Whenever he uh, signs Quint, in at the yeah. prancing pony, I I will I will back you up, Josh. You said it correctly before the record, and there's no evidence now. There's no evidence. There's no evidence that I yeah. said it correctly. But you know, hey, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's no big deal. That's a silly name. They'll never know. Cause, cause, <laughs> How you doing? Uh, not bad. Yeah, I'll I'll edit it. I won't. I'm lazy. Um, well, guys, thanks uh, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, how are you guys doing? This wonderful. Uh, we we decided it was a Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think based on the whatever standard of society we have right now, I guess it's a Tuesday. Uh, and I guess Wizards is coming out in like three three ish days, depending on what time zone you're in. Uh, it's been pretty nuts. Uh, getting to, getting to just share the excitement with with everyone online and and I think like Aaron said uh it's it's been a long time coming back from when it first got crafted in our brains as story writers uh until now it's actually a living breathing 10 episodes of of glory you can check out yeah as, as I mentioned I think before uh we started recording that uh you know it's been two years since we started working on this and so so it's been this long process of slowly little drops here or there announcements here or there thankfully you know we announced that wizards existed you know uh back when we announced the full tales of arcadia trilogy but you know a lot of it uh, you know had not really been uh discussed or announced all we had was like a single log line <laughs> and so we were just being hounded i think for the better part of a year and a half of like what's in wizards who's going to be in wizards when's wizards come out how many episodes are wizards and finally we're at this end game scenario where it's all coming to light and everyone's completely overwhelmed <laughs> yeah uh and i we are gonna preface this episode uh spoilers going forward for wizards um uh, I was able to check it out early, um, and uh, thank you everybody at DreamWorks for that. That was super great. Um, so yeah, so spoilers for Wizards. So if you haven't watched Wizards, because this episode comes out on Monday the 10th, so if you haven't seen Wizards, why? Um, <laughs> nice go ahead, go ahead, pause this, and then go check it out on Netflix and and Troll Hunters and Three Below. Because if you if you watch Wizards without watching those. I'm sure confusion will happen. You'll be like, I don't know who any of these people are. <laughs> uh, that's, that's a very that's a very fair point, by the way, John. If you're gonna if you're gonna watch Wizards, it would definitely be in your best interest to at least go back through Troll Hunters and some some select three below episodes. They're gonna pay off, but yeah. Uh, at the same time, I would love to know anyone's thoughts who just watched Wizards first. If you <laughs> if you jump in. And you get to just like, who's this Dixie guy? There's a <laughs> troll boy named Jim. I wonder how he got that way. I would love to know if the story clicks for people because we want it to be a self-contained story in its own way. Own way. Yeah, I imagine it would be a little bit like watching the first half of Endgame, 
without having seen any of the Avengers films, which I, I suppose it kind of stands on its own. It's like this mean guy got a wish glove. <laughs> oh, just <laughs> e- even better. The second part of Endgame. Oh, yes. When it's just like, you're just like, where'd all these people come from? I don't understand. Exactly. Why are we going back to the past? Something, things are, things are weird. Um, yeah, yeah, there was, there was, a, there was yeah, there's a little bit of interest by the way that Endgame came out. What, let's see. I think Infinity War came out right as we were doing Wizards. And then there were some interesting parallels just like story-wise of Endgame as we watched it like, oh, this is a this is somehow both similar to Wizards and not at all in terms of doing a time travel fulfillment story. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how yeah, people you, you guys uh, did, respond to it. Uh, I, I will say, I, I didn't see... Um, you said it's called Infinity War? Yeah, it's just like, this <laughs> okay. is a weird indie project. Uh, indie Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. did it. Uh, I, I don't know. It did okay. Robert Downey Jr., okay. the guy from Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? Exactly. All <laughs> oh, right, Kiss okay. Kiss Bang Bang. Like, I'm hoping he's going to get a big breakthrough at some point. Yeah. At least this, that, that do little movie will do well for him, I'm hoping. The guy from Heart and Soul was in it. <laughs> what was that movie that he was in with uh, Anthony Michael Hall? And they were like oh. football kids. Oh my Is God. that Less Than Zero? Even though I have never seen Less Than Zero, I'm gonna maybe I don't myself. remember. That sounds uh, right. But yeah, that was uh, uh, Anthony Michael Hall being a uh, he was like super jock. Like he's a re- he's a very skinny blonde kid as like star yeah. quarterback, and I'm like, mm-hmm. really? He's getting scouted by everybody. <laughs> All right, sure, whatever. He wrote uh, that really good essay in high school, and now he's getting scouted <laughs> by uh, football teams. And and is somehow going to uh, bring down corruption in, like, college football? Like, a, I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> okay, we'll we'll just talk about that movie. That's yeah, uh, so, yeah, we'll go watch Wizards, yeah. But anyway, so about this movie, um, we start off... <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so, so for Wizards, uh, again, we're going to, spoiler heavy, uh, starting now. Um so guys, I want to say like I love a good redemption story. Though mm-hmm. so what you guys did with Morgana, I was like, I, it was it was pretty pretty class for me. Did you guys know back in Troll Hunters that you wanted to do something like this for her? Like she was not going to be like the big bad. There were other people, like the uh, the Arcane Order, that were the mm. bad guys. Yeah, I mean, I would say that you know. It's hard to remember just because, again, it was four or five years ago, everything that we had planned out versus everything we had ideas for, they all kind of bleed together and inevitably wind up getting used at some point. But I do remember that when when Guillermo first pitched Wizards, it was the discussions we had with him was... He was like, Morgana is essential to this because, you know, even though we get a glimpse of her at the end of Troll Hunters, she is uh, very much sort of like her own character with her own, uh, you know, vengeance story that kind of goes incomplete in Troll Hunters. And, you know, while a lot of people and a lot of fans loved the character, they wanted to know more. You know, we only kind of hinted at her her kind of rivalry and feud with, uh, with Merlin and we very lightly hinted at, at the Arthuriana of it all, of the origins of the amulet and such. But, you know, in terms of her backstory, how she became, you know, this rage-filled queen of the apocalypse, it was something that uh, we, as we really dug into what is this show called Wizards and, you know, what does it mean to to be a, a mentor or an apprentice or and what does it mean to 
be, you know, for the freedom of magic as Morgana proclaimed she was, you know, that means that inevitably someone is trying to put order on magic, you know, and in this case, it's Merlin and uh, Arthur. And then on top of that, we're like, well, it can't just be, you know, she's the only one who's ever thought that magic is good and deserves to live on its own. So we started to explore like, well, where does magic come from? And that got into whole conversations with Guillermo about, you know, uh, the, the origins of the universe and the ley lines of the universe. And we eventually arrived at these elemental wizards who were essentially the first wizards and became the arcane order. Yeah. I think like there's stuff like the, the arcane order we're back on troll hunters we'd be like excuse me what'd you say we've never we hadn't even uttered that phrase yet Mm -hmm. but like aaron was saying we we are at least looking into even if we don't have the time to get into what morgana's you know full story is in troll hunters right you hear the details like her saying i think to merlin that you cut off my hand uh to build the stuff like that that was built into troll hunters that we wanted to pay off in wizards it was more that desire of that we want to tell a, a villain that you see their perspective on things. So I think every good antagonist uh, is the hero of their own story. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we really believe in. And so that even if you don't get to learn all of that, which hopefully you can, and I think Wizards does a lot of that, you can see where this woman who had better intentions and had, she could have been the hero of this story, right? And, and things had gone differently. She could be a very different character but because of biases and misunderstandings and, and personal judgments, like she is sent down a more tragic path that you almost like want to root for her a little, right? You want to, you want to like, you don't want to see her bring about the end of the world, but you're like, yeah, she's got some, she, she's not that bad. She's okay. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I like, like when, when we first meet her in Camelot, um, I'm sitting there and I'm like, Oh, okay. This is, I, I kind of see what we're doing here. I was, I was, Honestly, I, th- I thought we were going to have, since we had all three of our parties in different areas, I was mm-hmm. thinking, okay, uh, Claire and Morgana are going to do this, you know, cool little bonding thing. I was also thinking that Jim was maybe going to try and bond with Gunmar a little mm-hmm. bit. Because <laughs> I was like, maybe so, like, we can almost see, like, you know, he's fighting with the trolls and be like, ah, this Arthur guy, he's a bad dude. And then you've got uh, Morgana and Claire being like, ah, this Arthur guy, he's a bad dude. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got Steve being, I don't know, uh, Steve, uh, with Lance <laughs> and everybody being yeah. like, yeah, I'm Steve. Uh, I don't know what to do with that. Uh, just leave mm-hmm. them out there. Um, yeah, and, and then you have uh, uh, Doc's going uh, with his, like, doing, uh, Duke, sorry, uh kind of almost like maybe because I honestly I was feeling that uh Merlin maybe not the best guy like <laughs> kind of gets like it's like maybe maybe be a little bit nicer to you people so I was right. kind of thinking you know, maybe that's what we're gonna have and you'll maybe see this like history turn mm-hmm. uh which which you guys which you know kind of does happen we do get like a history-esque turn a little yeah. bit it's it's interesting because you know we always felt like troll hunters and tales of Arcadia worked best when you know the, the heroes and the villains, as Chad was alluding to, uh, don't occupy those perfect archetypes of like you are the black hat, I'm the white hat. It's you know all these characters, you know they have their own wants and needs and point of view. Sometimes that point of view is is sort of tormented or twisted by you know 
whether it's fate or bad things that happen to them and they, and they get sort of a vindictive streak in them. And that's how you get sort of the anti-villains that, that we have. Um, you know, Gunmar is, even though we don't uh, sort of have him bond with Jim, I think something that was important to Guillermo uh, and us as we were writing this was to kind of show that, you know, in Troll Hunters, we, we only got a perspective that like, oh, he hates humanity and he wants to eat people. And that's, that was about as far as you got as his motivation. And he was like, oh, I should rule the surface lands. Uh, and so we, were, we wanted to explore a little bit deep, deeper in this. And you get hints of it, you know, especially in like Callista's backstory, that it's, it's been this sort of ongoing sort of gang war that's been escalating into uh, a really intense um, conflict between the world of humans uh, as led by uh, uh, Arthur and the world of trolls, which, you know, just by might makes right is currently ruled by Gunmar. So you kind of, even though Gunmar is not a good person uh, per se, or a good troll, uh, you see that he, his, uh, I, I guess his hatred of humanity is sort of fueled by Arthur taking these raids out and expanding his territory mm -hmm. and, you know, doing what he thinks he needs to do to protect his people. And Gunmar in his own sort of like despotic way is also trying to protect his people by, you know, uh, essentially fomenting the, uh, the conflict to, to the point where it's almost on the outbreak of a full on war. Um, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm still thinking about Jim just getting to hang out with Gunmar and Bonnie. Like yeah, I think I, that's that totally instead. what I was thinking was going to happen. I was like, oh, okay, he's going to bond. It's going to be great. Uh, it's a pretty cool sword. If only yeah. you could like mind control trolls with it. That's a good <laughs> idea. I think I'll start doing that. Oh no, I shouldn't have told him that. Uh, I think I, I think that's uh, you're reminding me, Josh, of like when we were breaking up the season. I think there were probably 20 other big character interactions, you know, permutations that we wanted to see, right? There were so many mm. moments of characters we, for, for the reunion's sake, for characters who had been separated who never got to share things. Um, and we really had to pick, like, what were the ones that were most crucial to the story that we were wanting to tell, right? About, like, um, breaking from, essentially, your, your heritage, uh, being able to deal with kind of reason the morally gray mentors like th these themes that were speaking to us which of those relationships spoke to the most to us and and ones we just we had to see like there's no way we couldn't show blinky and arg's first friendship because yeah. they're so important to us and we were hoping that that's as rewarding to see uh as it was for us to write mm-hmm and, and you mentioned Morley Gray, and earlier you mentioned Merlin. You know, uh, Merlin, I think, is, to say the least, a controversial figure in Tales of Arcadia. Uh, and I think we're not, we didn't seek to necessarily dissuade you from the belief that he is kind of a jerk and, you know, kind of demanding. Uh, if anything, we wanted to show you a little bit of why he became so so cantankerous and bitter especially uh the turning point of when he loses morgana which you know it, he doesn't let down his walls very often but uh when he does you know he, the one emotional outburst you see before i you know things evolve in the plot is when morgana he, he thinks he's lost her and 
you know, it, it's a hint that, oh, like this guy is scarred by centuries of seeing people, you know, not being careful or not following the rules or the, these elaborate plans he's constructed to keep them safe and, to, you know, try to find the best of all possible worlds. And in doing so, he'll, you know, he loses people time and again. So he starts to become hardened and strange and, you know, perhaps a little bit cruel in his methods just because he, he doesn't have time to, uh, you know, bandy about the point. Uh, so, like, ultimately, I think by the end of Wizards, we have Merlin realize his mistakes, you know, his dying breath. He says something along the lines of, you know, I spent so long serving the wrong master when I realized that, I, you know, I, I should have been, uh, you know, serving not the greater good, but the good within us. Uh, and there's something, uh, I think, that is telling in Duxie's story that uh, when Duxie decides to not necessarily follow Merlin's plans, uh, he's using his own moral compass. He's not just following this guidebook that was laid out by Merlin. And, you know, I think Merlin had become so sort of set in his ways that he lost sight of the, the, the trees because he was so concerned about the greater forest. And that's something we really highlight, especially in the last couple episodes, uh, you know, it, is that Merlin um, is someone that I think got so focused on just kind of utilitarian minimizing harm that he forgot to think about the, the importance of the individual. And that's something Duxie kind of reminds him of, you know, even if it's too late. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, yeah, you do, you do get a good uh, payoff in the last episode with uh, both of Mer like with Merlin and both of his apprentices. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought that was, I thought that was really nice. Um, let's kind of talk about some of the new characters that get introduced, uh, Ooh, in, yeah. in season four. Um, I mean, we have, we have, he's a Dukes, which I mean, again, he, he was in Troll Hunters, but he was really just kind of a waiter pretty much. It's basically, <laughs> yes. he was a bus boy. I'm sorry. Uh, a waiter and a bus boy are the most essential, uh, <laughs> job. This is true. I mean, and he is in our, I mean, he, he's in California. So, I mean, like he's probably pursuing a dream in, in acting. So one day <laughs> he does, day, he does mention he, he does mention, I think in troll that he has a band. Uh, what was it? Ash dispersal pattern. Uh, yeah. I wish we'd gotten to show that more. That would have been really good to do. So yeah, you're right, Josh. He's right down that, that rabbit. That <laughs> oh California yeah. He's, career. he's, he's ready. He's ready. Uh, I mean, you, you gotta, you gotta put your, put your time in. Uh, we also meet uh, the arcane order. Um, Arthur, uh, Archie, which we do meet in uh, the last episode of uh, Three Below. Yes. So we do, we do meet him again. Um, uh, Lancelot, Galahad. Uh, we do meet Drea and then Nari, um, among others. But those are the ones that I wrote down. So those are the ones. <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't forget uh, Callista, uh, our amazing uh, Stephanie Beatrice. Is a, yeah, a I, I, you know, I she's with, from the past. I was going to go with just uh, Drea, since that's, you know, her troll name and all. Oh, yes, that's true. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, Calista, it's technically yeah. Dea. Oh, it's not Dea, that guy. Not, it's not actually Drea. Dea, actually. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I can't read my writing. <laughs> no worries. Oh, well. No worries. Yeah, I mean, it is definitely an ensemble cast. Uh, there's no question about it. And I think that was one of the, the more interesting challenges because, you know, re regardless of what Wizards would be, uh, you know, we, ha we had 10 episodes. And so we had to treat this more like a miniseries or even like one long movie to try to 
and uh, get it all in. And we also wanted to, you know, take less of a kind of serialized episodic television approach and a lot more of like a novelistic approach. So specifically so that we could kind of uh, like touch e each of these storylines in a way that, that felt like there, it had a beginning, middle and end. Um, and it was also a really interesting uh, experiment to try to, for some of these characters, you know, that we're, we're brand new to and we've never met before. Um, you know, who are they? What makes them tick? What makes them different? And that was something I feel like Trollhunters always did ex exceptionally well, um, and th Three Below as well. And, uh, you know, it was exciting to kind of dive in. Yeah, yeah. And also adding on onto Aaron's thing, like, because of the limited time we have, because of how much stuff we already wanted to do with our, our core characters that you've already met, it was very much a strategic look at which characters would have the biggest impact on our heroes, you know, as, mm -hmm. as kind of mirrors for them to reflect off of. Even picking, I think when we're like, which Knights of the Round Table does Steve get to deal with, you know, Lancelot and Galahad, uh, there, I, we went through the, the full roster of like which two, which two or three knights that, because that's all really the time we had, like could be the biggest influence on Steve's nightly career. Uh, you know, nightly career sounds like he's going to become a talk show host. But <laughs> yeah, I, you know what I mean? yeah uh, even that too is like that level of like picking and, and who we most want to see and also who do we want to see our characters have the biggest impact on. Like Jim getting to essentially teach the first troll hunter was really, really important to us. Um, a nice kind of like uh, cyclical nature that you can only do in time travel stories, but mm -hmm. a one that also felt really redeeming of for, for Jim to get to teach Blinky the stuff that Blinky would teach Jim. Uh, it's while it might break your brain in time travel logic, <laughs> it, it was, it felt so right for us for those characters. Uh, yes. And that, that we definitely wanted to make sure that there was an internal logic, at least for ourselves, you know, for some of the time travel logic of it all. But it did uh, at some t at a certain point we were like, all right, we're not going to just do Back to the Future rules. We're not just going to do this. We had to kind of create our own rules. <laughs> and but you know, I think with magic, because magic is literally when you defy logic and do the impossible, it became sort of this fun sci-fi fantasy or a science fantasy. Uh, which I guess Tales of Arcadia has always played in. Um, but uh, as far as the other characters, uh, Chad mentioned, you know, Callista and Blinky and Dea. And, you know, I think we also thought it was very interesting in keeping with the, the kind of, you know, the, the, the mentors in this cycle of, of, you know, end of the world and violence and peace and war and peace. We're like, how do you break that cycle? And how do you represent that cycle? And we thought, you know, the arcane order in particular was would be a very interesting perspective of, of you know, kind of like this very old world, almost Hammurabi's code approach to morality of like, well, you know, it's not about whether magic is good or humanity is good. It's about maintaining the balance uh, and then seeing their evolution to where they kind of get j just as jaded as Arthur does by the end. And, you know, they basically say, screw it, let's wipe the world clean which, you know, I feel like nihilism ultimately is, is the kind of antithesis of everything that people who try to change the world are battling against. Uh, so it was really interesting to kind of explore that, you know, uh, with all these characters like specifically Morgana, Merlin, uh, Arthur, 
and um, you know the arcane order to a sense that are all in their own way they think they're making a better world it just happens to be that each of their vision of a better world is completely antagonistic to each other so that, so it's up to our next generation of heroes with Duxi and Claire and Jim to figure out and sort through the mess of all of the, all of this you know endless conflict and try to find a new way forward um I apologize. I did not watch uh, Wizards again before we did this. Do, do the rest of the Arcane Order, do they have names? They yes. do. Are we, I think we're allowed to say what they are, but I, yeah, think. I, think, we, I think we can. If uh, not, yeah, DreamWorks if will not. let me know beforehand. <laughs> yeah, I'm, so. I'm, I'm waiting for the silent the silent guiding hand of DreamWorks to come and go, shut up, you idiot. Shut, shut up. <laughs> Uh, uh, I think we can officially say uh, Nari is, and they're tied to their elements. That's how we uh, help describe them. Uh, mm-hmm. Nari, uh, the plant, uh, the plant wizard. Uh, you see, particularly in the clips that have gone out before Wizards, uh, uh, and then also uh, Bellrock is the uh, red fire wizard uh, with the big giant awesome skull helmet. Oh yeah, uh, I remember. Yeah, they, Belrog is and now they they do say that name in the because at first I thought they said Balrog and I was like, what? Like, or, no, no, like, okay. definitely not Balrog. I mean... It is distinctly different from Balrog. It, it is legally different. distinct. <laughs> uh, and uh, actually, I remember because we had to change his name so many times for for legal. But uh, the ice wizard uh, that you've also seen in some of the early clips is Scrail. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, we spent a lot of time crafting backstories and origins for for these wizards, and you're going to get just a, a little taste mm-hmm. of 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 their history. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll suffice to say that they, you know, they are meant to represent all of magic from this from Earth being this sort of like central focus, right? And so they kind of they they come from the far corners of the Earth, and it is their duty to maintain the balance uh, and when they abdicate that duty that's when things uh get pretty hairy especially towards the end of uh, the series yeah um let's let's talk about uh steven lance uh <laughs> okay. just because i'm like the the similarities there guys are, are we <laughs> is lance like lancelot is is steve like descendant of lancelot because <laughs> i mean the hair the <laughs> attitude just like the general everything about him it's like yeah they're pretty much the same yeah I or, mean, that or was... is that just like that general like you know and no, Michael it, Hall character type. It was it was intentional. Don't worry. It's not not that we ran out of character models or anything. Uh, no, it's uh, that was a joke that was pitched by Guillermo himself. Uh, I think he and thematically we liked the idea that Lancelot is effectively uh, you know what Steve could become if he was a little bit more honorable, a little had a little bit more focus. He was sort of like a paragon of of virtue for all his faults. Uh, but, uh, and I think the unspoken joke is, yes, maybe they are distantly related, <laughs> but we, we left it unspoken because we didn't want to open any wormholes into people's logic. I think it also speaks to Steve's nature that he's trying throughout all of Tales of Arcadia to be a better person, but who, who speaks to him the most about what it could be to be a hero? Not any of his friends, but a dude who's like, that dude's a good looking guy who looks exactly <laughs> like me. I should start taking some, some lessons from him. And then, yeah. and then the, the, the mentorship bromance, uh, it begins sort of thing. Yeah. Cause it's one of those like, with Steve, the only one that Steve, I mean, you know, I, we have Aja and Three Below and everything, but like the one person Steve really cares about is Steve. 
So obviously <laughs> Steve true. is going to connect most with past hunky Steve. Mm-hmm. And I think and, we also felt like Steve was do- was due to an upgrade. I was like, was he's he's put in his time as a creep slayer and a secret carrier of these guardians for long enough that like in our mind, like Steve is Steve and, and Eli, even though I believe he uh, is currently off as royalty in Acheridian five uh, or not, not necessarily canon, these royalty that was our head canon. <laughs> he's, a diplomat, <laughs> at least. he's a diplomat at least over in Acheridian five that Steve's earned his way into being an official guardian. And we really wanted that to, for him to have the rest of that, that journey in wizards uh, through our, yeah. through our Camelot. And so his, yeah, so the journey, basically the lesson that, that Lancelot imparts on him uh, a few times before he officially passes the mantle is that, you know, being a true knight of honor is someone who stands up for righteousness, even when there's no one left to stand by your side or see what you're doing. Uh, so that's kind of the journey of Steve is like, you know, especially when we, spoiler alert, lose Lancelot, Steve realizes, you know, it's uh, it's on him to, to avenge him, no one else. Um, and... Then when uh, when he's given the task of reforming the Knights of the Round Table, or however self-appointed it might be, uh, he takes it very seriously and and in a sincerity that I don't think we're used to seeing in Steve. But it's you know it's kind of nice to see him grow, especially when you consider where he started on Troll Hunters, where he yeah. was just archetypical '80s bully that that got ousted because fighting trolls is so much cooler than fighting uh, you know jocks. Yeah. I, I do like that there was a nice little creep slayer nod with him and yes. Lancelot. I thought that was us. I was like, oh, nice. Um, I, okay, let's talk about another thing that I, I noticed uh, this season. Um, for, a t- for a show that is rated TVY7, um, <laughs> you guys, you kill a lot of people, sometimes twice. <laughs> like, uh, just just say, like, what what's up uh, What's up with that? Why, why, why are we killing so many people in, in our kids' show? Well, I, I will say we don't kill people just to kill people. Um, it's We always do it for a reason of some sort. You know, whether they've the character has kind of reached the end of their arc and, and has something, you know, that their death will impart or inspire in another character, you know, or, you know, if they're, they're a tragic character like Arthur, you know, they they die because they, you know, they refuse to learn the lesson uh, or they, it seemed like they almost learned the lesson, but it was too late. Uh, and you could even argue that Merlin is a tragic character as well mm-hmm. in that regard. Um, but, you know, it's the hero's journey, man, like death of the mentor. Um, and it, it comes down to uh, another theme of this show is always like, war is not great fighting for fighting sake is terrible and it comes with te- terrible loss and you know as far as the uh the tdy7 of it all you know netflix has been very generous in helping us kind of push the boundaries of that because uh, I, I think that they can you know the, the standards are a little bit more flexible but it, it's always done with intent uh would you agree with that chad yeah i'd say so i mean it definitely it has to feel earned and it has to feel a not necessarily say natural because death isn't you know always expected um but that it felt like if it was going to do it that it had a uh, a reasonable amount of care and attention given to it i think even like vendel in troll hunters when he was murdered by Asterna, we had loved vendel by that point so much and it wasn't just a oh you're really gonna want to see this villain now get taken down but what does that mean for troll market and and to show the the repre 
repercussions, excuse me, of just that character's absence and what that means for Blinky and the, and the, the aftershocks, right, of a death um, mm-hmm. and what, how it reflects those characters. Uh, the, there's several that are definitely also like, I have emotional attachments to something about this year, the more and more as go on, the, uh, there's some Wizards of Morgana kind of going like, why won't you just let me die that I, I relate to? I relate to very much <laughs> every morning when I wake up. I'm just like, oh, God, another one of these? Oh, God. Um, and, uh, and also, I, I really had a, a blast with the small one of Galahad, who I think you, you have to see in your episodes of i mean he he eats it in that in that opening battle yeah um and it's kind of his best moment in his life as far as we are aware of it's his most heroic sacrifice and then getting to see him in camelot you know 900 years earlier and he's not necessarily the best dude he's kind of a little (laughs) too gleeful about you know smashing trolls and yeah and he's 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 very clear about the way that he's going he's like yeah today's a good day to die let's do it and you're like all right (laughs) you're gonna be fine (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I think that was just a, a fun, I hadn't uh, ever gotten to writ, write a version where you, you a character's gone and you saw their best side first and then getting to learn a little bit more about them. I mean, we, I guess we do that great, great learn in, in Merlin's uh, greater scale too, but definitely. Uh, it's, it's a fun way to try to at least tackle a more serious subject. Yeah, and that's some of, some of the fun you can have with a time travel story. And we had a lot of those sort of uh, interesting aspects going at once where you, you kind of can tell stories in reverse, you know, like the, like at, in the pilot of, of, of wizards, you know, Merlin has plans, but he doesn't tell anybody about them. He just says, we have to go to the past, go. And then you're like, Whoa, why is this happening? And then over the course of the, the, the show, you can kind of retroactively realize like, Oh, he, he looks at possible futures and he, he must've seen this coming and he must've seen that this was maybe a path that, could uh, save Duxie and his friends and make them strong enough to survive. Uh, but finding ways to kind of play with that hero's journey in a way that becomes very wibbly wobbly, timey wimey uh, became sort of like a clarion call and something that I think makes wizards in particular somewhat special because you have, you have people in, inspiring, you know, Jim inspires Callista uh, and then Callista in turn inspires Blinky, then inspires Jim. It becomes this Ouroboros of, of uh, you know, mentorship, I suppose. Uh, yeah, I, I did like all of, uh, you know, us going into the past and we get to meet all of these characters again. Um, that I, I really liked. Uh, and especially getting to see older characters that were gone or who right. have already passed on come back in the series. I'm like, aww. I remember all you guys. That's so nice. Um, and then you also you also find out that these other trolls have been around for 900 years, like mm-hmm. the whatever troll and everything. And just like, all right. I mean, this dude's just been around, man. He's, he is he's consistent. He's oblivious to the fate of the world around him with a whatever, and he's been going strong for almost a millennium. I think he's, he's, he's got he's something going on. Hero. He's the secret hero of the series, I think. <laughs> uh, they come in all shapes and sizes and uh, catchphrases. Um, <laughs> there, there, there was one thing that I noticed. I, I, I think it's in the first episode when uh, we see uh, Doxini's like, like sweeping the floor. I, I think they do that. Uh, like, I'm not going to be sweeping the floor for everything. And then it's like 900 years later and it's yeah, yep. him sweeping mm-hmm. the floor. Um, that open sign that he has, I want one of those that like <laughs> open. And then when it's closed, it's just, nope. Yeah, I thought that dude. was great. Uh, like, I want one of those so bad. 
I want it above oh. my, like, whenever I'm out, I want it to be like, nope, he's not here. And then, oh, <laughs> All right. If I can brag about one contribution to the show, and this is the only contribution I had to Wizards, it was that open sign that I've been sketching for 15 years as a, someday I'll open, I guess, a neon works store and start making <laughs> lighting. I don't know what it was. And so when we had a, a reason to put it in an open close sign, I was like, I got just the thing. And I am... It fills me with so much joy, Josh, to have hear that someone else appreciate it. If, that if neon Dream, sign. If DreamWorks, I'm not saying that we have people from DreamWorks listening, but if they are, if you want to <laughs> do Wizards merch, that one sign. That's the only merch that needs to be done. No Archie <laughs> plush, just straight to the yeah. nope open we don't, sign. We don't, we don't need work. cool Alfred Molina cat dragon familiars, the classes. <laughs> no, we need a nope open sign. That's what we need. I, you're joking. I am not. Let's get it going. Oh, no, I'm not joking either. Like, I ben want it good. so bad. Like, <laughs> I mean, do you I want to print money? Um, well, yeah, uh, on a, uh, uh, well, on the note that you're uh, discussing about the 900 years later with Duxie, you know, I think uh, Duxie or his or Dukes is a really interesting character because, you know, um, he's, when we meet him, he's lived for 900 years. So the question yeah, uh, that we, quick, How do we explain that? Like, how do we explain <laughs> that all these people are still around? Like Galahad has apparently mm -hmm. been like floating on... Avalon forever. Merlin's magic is very good for your skin. Okay, it's very good, good for your skin. Yeah, we basically we've kind of established. He's like that. right up there with South Korea. There's a nice <laughs> balm that you can put on yes. your face. His like anti-aging mm -hmm. cream is like yeah. legit. I think there was a, a joke when we were discussing that in the room because you know it's it's kind of funny that because you you develop these sort of um, you know magic rules or whatnot and, and you see it in wizards or in uh, troll hunters as well that like, oh, of course sorcerers can live, you know, it, it, basically immortal unless you kill them via magical means. Like it's, it's perhaps the easiest trick once you become a sorcerer. Um, and, you know, it's, it's assumed that yes, Merlin did something or perhaps there's something about the magic that's flying around Camelot all the time that inadvertently made Galahad as the last surviving knight of the round table uh, also uh, immortal. But uh, with, with his Dukes himself, we thought it was kind of interesting that, uh, you know, he's a character that when you meet him, he's been around for 900 years. And so from his perspective in, the, in you know, as the show begins, he thinks he's already had his hero's journey. He thinks he's already figured it all out. He thinks he's ready for his shot. Um, and it, that, that's a really interesting kind of place for a character to start. Uh, because then you're like, oh, well, maybe he actually, that confidence is hiding something that deep down he secretly, you know, isn't sure if he's ready yet. And, and so we can have that sort of, you know, uh, that cocksure attitude and, and perhaps cockiness, uh, but in, in an endearing way, because you realize that sometimes those students that try to run for class president are doing so because they're not sure if they deserve it or not. And so his journey of, of eventually realizing that that gold seal of approval of, of Merlin's uh, approbation of saying, yes, you did it, son, actually isn't what he needed. Uh, it's, it's that he just needed to come into his own as, as his own wizard. And, you know, I think that the fact that he does that, and then in the end, when Merlin acknowledges him and he just kind of laughs and, you know, hugs him, it's, it's not so much that he's like, oh, thanks for giving me that approbation teach. It's, he's saying, you know, I forgive you. I, I, and that I, it's okay that I never needed your approbation. And 
in a way, Merlin has probably never had anybody say that to him or, or hug him ever, as far as I can tell. <laughs> so it, I felt like that was a really great kind of symbol on Duxie's part that he didn't have to do that for Merlin, at, you know, but he did just to say like, you know, rest well, you weren't perfect, but you tried, uh, I'll take it from here. Uh, and I thought that was a great place to end with his character because he's able to, he's sort of taken his agency back in a way. Yeah, I, I he does have a really nice moment uh, when he traps uh, the other two members of the Arcane Order uh, in mm. his little sphere thing. When he's like, people have been telling me that like I can't do this, I'm not strong enough, but I am. And then like I thought that was I thought that was really nice. I thought that was one of his best moments for me. Awesome. And I was that's like, really, nice. That's really cool yeah. To hear. Uh, let's let's kind of talk about uh, what happens to uh, our boy. We start the we start <laughs> Tales of Arcadia off with Jim, um, and then we you know we do kind of end it with Jim. He's he's there. He makes it the entire series, uh, mm-hmm. conveniently for being the protagonist. Um, <laughs> do, how long like was was it a, a wizard's thing where you were like you know what let's go ahead and bring him back to his original form or was Mm -hmm. that something that you guys knew you know previously that you were like you know what we know at the end this is going to happen or was or was it you know just writer's room of wizards i mean i would say somewhere in the middle uh when you say chad where it's like we had ideas of where the characters arcs would go but ultimately when we were actually breaking the season uh you know I think sometimes the characters tell you where they need to go. Um, like with, with Jim in particular, um, it's, we knew that, that part of his arc was kind of, you know, he, he starts in a place of, he thinks he, again, he's gone through this hero's journey. He thinks he's the defender of tr- the troll world and the human world. And he's sort of leading them, you know, on into the horizon or whatever. Uh, but then he comes across a foe that's that, mortally wounds him and uh, and then suddenly he can't be that person anymore and in many ways his arc is learning that even heroes sometimes need to allow other people or trust that other people will save them um you know as far as you know the removal of of you know the the enchantments on him that part of that was sort of fulfilling claire's arc because hers was one of sort of guilt over not being able to protect Jim in that moment because she hadn't quite mastered her abilities as a, as a sorceress yet. Uh, and she didn't have her shadow staff. And she eventually realizes, I don't need a shadow staff to be a, a great sorceress. Uh, but ultimately that was all to the end of, of fulfilling her promise to save Jim. Uh, we discussed at, at length all the different iterations. How many iterations would you say we talked about, Chad? Like six, A lot. Seven. I almost don't want to tell you all the different versions because then you'll just be like, well, I liked that one better. <laughs> no, no. So change it. I, I won't uh, get into details, but... Yeah, was was think, there a version where, you know, Jim doesn't come back? Oof. Oofa doofa. Um, I mean, you talk, about, you talk about it in the room. I think that's safe to say. You, you definitely yeah. need to consider all the possibilities of the outcomes of the characters. And, and I, I agree with what Aaron was saying about how we kind of uh, tackle our story and our characters as having a good idea of where they're going so you're not just writing blindly, but definitely letting the individual episodes and the character arc as it develops, you know, you might be at episode four or five of your of your ten episode season, and and realize that 
it's Jim's going down a different path, right? Or Claire's shadow magic is manifesting in a way that speaks more to her. And that also comes from insights from the other writers. Um, mm -hmm. You know, people, people who are weighing in and, and sharing their own experiences and, and trying to pour as much of that as possible into the story. Uh, so yeah, there's definitely a, I think particularly the ending of Wizards, we went down several different possibilities of how it would end. Um, and there's definitely some stuff we're setting up for later that's important, mm -hmm. but also what is, where did, what was the best turn for, for Juxi, Claire, and like you said, for Jim, um, back when Jim first submerged himself in the, in the tub back in Troll Hunters to turn into a troll, I don't think any of us were planning that it'd be reversed later. It was definitely a, if we're doing this to a character, if Jim's making this choice, mm -hmm. it has to have permanent ramifications. It, it's a genuine sacrifice he's making for his friends and his family and for Troll Market. Um, and so to even talk about undoing that had to be really earned to us, both for Jim and for Claire and for mm -hmm. the story in general. And, and ultimately we decided, you know, when in that final moment, when you're there and Claire literally does the impossible, you know, she reaches deep into herself and pulls whatever uh, inner magic that she has as a, as you know, uh, an intuitive sorceress and, and as a person and as this person's most beloved, uh, you know, character. Uh, in that moment, she what she's doing is basically she's using her own magics, her own abilities to try to give Jim another chance. Uh, and it felt we we discussed at one point like, well, what if he cut? You know, she brings him back, but he's just troll form. And that didn't feel right to us because in many ways, you know, as I've hinted at a couple times, the journey of wizards is like, how do you, how do you save the world without it just saving the world the way other people do it or have told you to do it? And it's about that old generation of thinking that's re resulted in this endless cycle of violence and bloodshed and, and apocalypse stuff versus our, our young heroes, the next generation, who are all, you know, trying to find a new path and you don't know what's going to happen next. And so as part of that kind of thematic element, we wanted, we were like, if Claire, Claire is going to somehow draw it out of herself to save Jim and remove this corruptive magic that has influenced him, it, 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 should, it means getting rid of the, the corruption. It means getting, getting rid of all the magic that had been done to him and just giving him a clean slate to, for the, perhaps the first time, you know, choose again how he wants to become. And as far as where that leads, you know, that's, that's an interesting story that, uh, you know, we thought would be a, 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 not an easy resolution for Jim, but a new beginning. So what has been uh, one of your favorite things to work on this season with Wizards? Ooh, oh, gosh. Um, yeah, for our last question, I made it the hardest question, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, I, I can just start by saying, you know, it was really exciting to kind of just dive in and see, you know, now that, that our audience is effectively caught up and we, they know the world and they know the players, you know, what, what more can we say about this world, you know, that it seems to be ending one more time, you know, and, and how, how do you really kind of come together and do it yourself? Uh, I've also, I also really, and I'm sure Chad will say this too. It was really fun coming up with the, like the, the, uh, the monsters and the ways we can kind of subvert, 
yeah, expectations wherever we could, both with the characters we know and with, you know, Arthurian lore. You know, I don't think anybody was expecting Arthur to be a, a you know, a really hard ass jerk, uh, but he is. And you have to kind of contend with what, what's the, uh, the, when you're faced with the real person and the legend, it seems that history printed the legend, but how can you uh, use that to inspire uh, uh, what needs to be done in order to protect the world? Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with, agree with all of that. Uh, I think, I think also just, uh, as his show is now finally coming out, it getting to see, um, people's reactions to, to Duke and Archie, especially since they're, you know, what's, what's been released so far of people connecting to that character and be, rooting for them, even though they got little tastes of them in the previous seasons, it, it's really, it's really sweet. Um, mm -hmm. and great to feel because, I, I, I remember there's a, a couple of illustrations, uh, character explorations that one of our story artists, uh, Tenny, uh, who you should check out on Twitter if you don't already, she's amazing, uh, did of like, you know, Archie and Duxie and some of the other characters for us early on, just like mood pieces, you know, Duxie lounging around listening to music or while Archie tucking him in while he's sleeping on the couch. Seems a little stuff, but was really so, for us, images and, and character moments that have been kind of in, in, our heads for years uh it's weird you get really attached to your characters like tanny uh not sorry not tanny duxy is our boy we we care about him a lot mm -hmm. and and to get to see folks respond and, and and connect to him and find shades of themselves in it in in fan art and and sharing experiences online that's that's so great like that's what we're wanting the story to be anyway is something that people can relate to and see themselves in in Duxie, uh, that is all of the, that's all worth it, right? Yeah, well, just to piggyback on that, it was really nice too, because uh, uh, Duxie's character in particular, I think we were hoping to tell a story that was for people that maybe didn't have that perfect mentor figure, that, that you know, an absent, absent or emotionally distant parent, and they have to figure it out for themselves. So it, I think it was rewarding for us to be able to put something on screen where it wasn't about, you know, where you came from. It's, a, it's about what, what uh, you do with the people that you have and the, and the chances you get. Yeah. If I, if I can just give a shout out to uh, who, I, who I mentioned, Tenny, uh, on Twitter, if you want to follow her Twitter, at uh, T-E-N-Y-A-I-S. Uh, all, mm -hmm. all of the Tales of Arcadia crew are phenomenal. And they've, been guns, they've begun sharing inner working stuff, behind the scenes stuff on the show that I think is not only fantastic art but if you're interested in the animation process worth checking out absolutely nice uh and guys uh wizards tales of arcadia is available on netflix now we'll put a link in the bio um aaron uh chad thanks again so much for coming on uh where can everybody find you guys social media wise if they want to follow you guys um my my social media is uh good aaron on twitter that's probably the easiest way to see the stuff <laughs> I, I i post a lot of you know anytime i see something that's tales of arcade related or star trek related sometimes dumb jokes so you can check me out at good aaron g-o-o-d-a-a-r-o-n uh and i'm at quantum theory that's q-u-a-n-d-t-u-m theory uh on most social media that i still have uh you'll find me there uh, josh thank you so much for having us on man it's, yes. it's been a blast talking about wizards 
Oh, no worries at all. And we'll put we'll put everybody's uh, links and social media in the show notes. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Josh L. Kane. You can find the podcast on Instagram at What's Up Fandom, on Twitter at What's Up Fandom PC for podcast. All of our episodes are available iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play, Spotify, and on our website, animationstationpodcast.com, because I'm lazy and haven't changed the website yet. Um, <laughs> guys, again, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you, man. Remember, a wizard does not make mistakes. He makes unexpected possibilities. Excellent. Bye, everybody. Bye.